Welcome to LiveAlittleHigher.com. This week we continue learning Perkiavot, Ethics of the Fathers, and we are in Chapter 5, Mishnah 2, where it says there were 10 generations from Adam to Noah to show the degree of patience for all those generations angered him increasingly until he brought upon them the waters of the flood. So in this Mishnah, the commentarist asks a question, and is what is the intent of this Mishnah? What's the whole purpose of this Mishnah? We know there were 10 generations from, from Adam to uh, Noah. And here the Mishnah is telling us, obviously, that Hashem wanted them to repent. So, so it says that the, the Mishnah, what is showing us is the, the extent of God's patience, that God is a... Um, He's very merciful and very patient. And we may ask, why did it come to an end after 10 generations? So what happened if God has infinite patience because he's an infinite being, he never despairs, he's always waiting for us to repent. Why would he put a limit to these 10 generations and then bring the Mabul, the flood, and uh, kill everybody except Noah and his family and the animals that went in the ark? So it says here is that God's patience is not time limited to any number of generations. He's as patient with the most uh, severely sinful as he is with the less sinful person. But whereas God's patience is infinite, it is contingent with one thing, the possibility that the sinful person will do Teshuvah. So what it says is that when Hashem sees that a person has the capacity to repent, to do Teshuvah, to go back to his essence, then he can have all the patients in the world. He'll never give up on that person. So let's say, it says here that we see it in the closing prayer of Yom Kippur, where he says, you desire the Teshuvah of the weekend and you do not wish their death. God doesn't want to kill people. This is clearly stated in scripture, do I desire all the death of the wicked man, declares God, is it not rather his return from his errant path that he might live? And this concept is so important that it's repeated several times in the, in the, in the liturgy of, of Yom Kippur. So as long as there is even the slightest possibility of Teshuvah, Hashem will wait forever. So whereas the 10 generations that preceded the deluge were most sinful, like after the, the flood, all these generations that came afterwards were also very sinful. What was it that uh, had the, the generation of Noah, uh, what was it that it set it apart from the rest? Like Hashem hasn't destroyed the world, He hasn't destroyed, the, the, He hasn't done another flood since that time. So what is it that that generation had that, uh, what was it, that trait that it had that Hashem had to destroy it? So the Talmud states that the fate of the generation of the, of the flood was still because of the sin of robbery. In other words, their gross immorality and corruption, as serious as it was, did not yet warrant their destruction, but the sin of robbery did. So let's see what this sin of robbery, of being a thief, has that really breaks Hashem's patience. And then it says here that there is three 
three types of thievery that are described in the Talmud. So the first one is called the Ganav, which is the thief who steals in, in, in undercover. He, he gets into a house when there's nobody, when it's dark. He doesn't let himself be seen. He doesn't let himself be felt. And then there's the second one, which is called the Gazlan. And this is a, an armed robber. This is someone that will approach a person with a, with a knife or with a, with a machine gun or with a pistol and, and steal from them. And then we have the Hamsan, who is one who takes away an item from its owner and um, by force, but he gives him the money it's worth. So for example, a friend of mine comes here and she likes my, my flower vase. She'll say, Margie, I'm sorry, I love it so much. I'm gonna take it with me. But you know what? I'll pay it to you. How much was it? I'll give you $100 for it. So this is considered thievery. And this is, the, of the three, it's the worst of them all because uh, the Ganav and the Gazlan have a greater per possibility of Teshuvah. The first two, the, the one that's stealing undercover, the, he knows he's doing something wrong. So deep inside, he knows there's something that is not right, you know? And the other one also has remorse, also feels like what I'm doing is not right. But the problem with the Hamsan is that he, he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong because he's taking from another person, but he's paying it back. So, so his act as legitimate purchase rather than a crime. He doesn't see it as a crime. He sees it like he bought something he liked. And his conscience is clear, which makes the shuva really impossible. So if a person has no remorse, doesn't feel bad for what he's doing, then there's no way he can repent and return. There's, there's, why would he do it? So it says here that close attention to the words of scripture indicate that the generation of the deluge of the flood engaged in this type of thievery, which is Hamas, Hamas, it compensated robbery. For this sin, there was no possibility of teshuva. The Midrash also tells us that they would steal something the value of which was below the amount for which the owner could have recourse in court. So like they, they, they stole petty things, stupid things like the hammer or your toilet paper, or things that were like nothing. So a person could not even complain about it. So because this was not enforceable by law, they saw it as not being a sin. Again, if it was not recognized as a sin, there could be no teshuva. If this is that distinguished them from the sinful of the previous generations, in the absence of any possibility they might mend their ways, there was no option other than they be destroyed. And this was the reason why Hashem brought the flood. Because the, the sin of, of, of thievery of those days, uh, people just felt they could take whatever they wanted from anybody. Just give them a few dollars and they would feel like it was okay. So we find a similar occurrence in the destruction of Sodom. Uh, <clears throat> this is in the times of Abraham Avinu, the, the generation after the flood. And, um, but at this time, the, the, the Hashem didn't destroy the world because it was only a certain part of, 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 the, of the world that used to behave in this way. And there's a similarity to it, to it. And as the Midrash tells us that the laws of Sodom were very corrupt. And the problem was that the criminal, the criminal people were rewarded for their crimes and the people that behaved with benevolence were um, 
were punished and they were seen like they were doing a crime. So for example, if a person would feed a poor person, this would be considered a crime and this person would be killed. And if a person used to torture people that came to the city, they used to uh, sodomize them, that's why the name of the place is Sodom, they, they would be considered that they're going with the law. So this is a concept which is of great relevance in our time because today we see that the governments pass laws that they are legitimizing things that really are not morally right. Like for example, euthanasia, or or the today that we know uh, many harmful substances are, are being legalized and people are being able to take access of them legally, and they're really harmful and they're not right. So people are starting to see the normal as abnormal and the abnormal as not normal. If you can understand what I'm trying to say. And, uh, and that's a problem, that's a big, big problem because when you see things that are not right in a right way, then there's no way that a person can do teshuva, repent and return to his essence. Like if for them, uh, euthanasia is something that is uh, humane to put someone to die because he's sick or he's old and they see it as something humane because they're taking away uh, suffering from that person and they see it as something right, then how can they ever repent? Because they don't, they don't see the, the, what's wrong there. In reality, it's wrong because a life really is not ours to decide if he, if he deserves to live or not. A life is Hashem's life. He decides when a person is born and when a person leaves this world, not us. So, so we see here that is the lesson of this, of this Mishnah. The sins of the ten generations may have been grievous, like ten generations before Noah, they also were sinful, they were idol worshippers, they, they, they did horrible things, but in their heads they knew they were doing horrible things. But in the, in, the, in, the, in the generation of Noah, then the problem was that their sinful behavior was normal. So, he, they, so it says here, that the God was patient, as we noted in the quotes from scripture. He hopes that the sinful can avert destruction by mending their ways. So Hashem is really patient. He's always waiting for us to repent, to mend our, our wrongful ways, for us to recognize that sometimes we do things that are not the right thing to do and to really go back to, to our essence and to our moral stance. So I wish you a blessed week. We're entering the, we already entered the three weeks uh, before Tisha B'Av. These are weeks of, uh, that we should be really soul searching. We should be looking inside of ourselves. How's our relationship with others? How's our relationship with Hashem? How's our relationship with ourselves? And we should really take it into heart that it's an opportunity to mend our ways. So I leave you here and I wish you a blessed week. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.